This is the Low Tox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 217 and I have one of my good friends on the show today, the wonderful Joe Witten from Quirky Cooking. Joe and I met absolutely yonks ago uh, when I first started my Facebook page and uh, I still thank to this day that lovely reader of my blog that had already been going for two years up until that point saying, gosh, it'd be really good if we could chat about this stuff on Facebook. You should start a page. And when I did, I reached out and I looked for pages that were a bit like mine or anything um, that I could do to connect to a network of people interested in the same field. And of course, Jo was one of those people. She's an inspiration to everyone everywhere who uh, has had very difficult uh, healing journeys within her own family that she has overcome. Uh, but beyond that, also to the wider community of people wanting to do better by the planet, their kids, cook scratch, cook from scratch more, uh, eat more whole food ingredients. Uh, so while Jo is very specialized in a particular area of healing from the experiences she's had, and we'll talk about those today, uh, she helps in a much broader um, context really powerfully to give everybody a, the can-do spirit in the kitchen, keep people inspired, uh, and it's just been beautiful to watch uh, all the awesome work she's done over the last decade. So I'm absolutely thrilled to have Joe on the show with me today. And before we uh, hook into that conversation, uh, and by the way, you can find uh, Joe on Quirky Cooking all on social media, whether it's Facebook, the blog, the website, the shop. Uh, Quirky Cooking is what you search to find uh, everything that she does. Uh, And we'll talk more um, in detail about her cookbooks during the show as well, which I definitely encourage you to get, uh, get your hands on one, especially if you're a Thermomix user. That first cookbook she did with all her Thermomix recipes is absolutely awesome. Um, I've used it many times myself and I don't really cook from recipes much. So that's saying something that I've taken the time to make hers. You always know you're going to end up with something delicious. Uh, so because we are in the month of December, uh, we have a wonderful show sponsor and that is Killer Pillar. That's K-I-L-L-A-P-I-L-L-A.com.au. And you have 15% off their wonderful pillows of which they have an adult size and a tween 8 to 12 size for you to choose from. And your code is December 15 all one word, capital letters. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that um, Carolina and Todd, the husband and wife team who created this pillow, Todd from his chiropractic background wanting to really give us something that would fully support spinal health and the nervous system and Carolina with her passion for sustainability uh, and uh, regeneratively sourced uh, agricultural products to go into the making of things with the beautiful cotton and uh, Australian wool that are used in the pillows. 
I think what uh, keeps them coming back uh, to reach out to you guys is the amazing feedback that we get from people who are having significant improvements in things like snoring, in things like neck or back pain, in things like concentration uh, during the day and feeling more refreshed. Uh, so while the format of their pillow, because of the way it's designed and you can have a look on their website, it, there's a hole kind of where your head is actually, the back of your head uh, is actually touching the mattress. If you sleep on your back on the pillow, you can choose to sleep on side or back. Um, uh, it takes a little while to get used to a few nights, sometimes a couple of weeks, but when people get there, my goodness, the improvements seem to be, from what I have seen in the community, really big. And I love, uh, I had a, one girlfriend who uh, bought the pillow Unfortunately, then a few months later found out her home was mold contaminated. And when you find that out and you have to move, uh, it's recommended that you not take any pillows, cushions, uh, foam sofas or mattresses with you because that is where mold gets in so deep, uh, that it's impossible to, uh, remediate. Uh, and by the way, if you want more on that, I did a show a few years ago, number 77, uh, all about our move out of a moldy water damaged place. Um, but yeah, she was, um, devastated. The first thing she thought of was like, Oh no, my killer pillar. And she wrote to me and she said, thank gosh, you guys have got a discount on in December again, because I'm going to get another one. So, um, if that's not a testament to how awesome they are, I don't know what is. So thank you for sharing that with me, Emma, um, and letting me know how much you loved it as do so many other people. So make the most of it. 15% off Lotox December 15 is your code and the website is killerpillar.com.au and that's K-I-L-L-A-P-I-L-L-A. Enjoy. Now it's a couple of weeks before Christmas, uh, which is unbelievable. So for people who are celebrating Christmas around the world, uh, I want to Wish you a wonderful uh, preparation style lead up. Remember that planning and preparation prevents waste, presents cost blowouts, and prevents stress. So it's a, it's a triple win. Um, if you're celebrating something through another religion or perhaps uh, nothing religious at all, but you really love marking the end of the year, I encourage you to uh, connect to any traditions that sit well with you. We've been talking about Christmas uh, and other celebrations around the world in the club this month, uh, which you can join, of course, anytime, the Lotox Club. Just go to lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and join the club is the very first option there. Um, and uh, we produced a beautiful ebook for our club members that talks about these waste reduction techniques, stress reduction techniques, cost reduction techniques, particularly important to a lot of people this year. Uh, and But then from that, so important as well is to connect to deeply connecting experiences at the end of the year. What rites of passage into a new year can we create in our family? What traditions, what recipes can we cement as things that we pull out universally no matter what every single year and they're literally only cooked at Christmas? And Joe and I actually talk about this quite a bit on the show today towards the end of the episode. Uh, we share what's on our Christmas menus this year. Um, and, uh, both of us had food envy about the other one's Christmas menu, of course. 
So anyway, I just thought I would um, remind everybody that if you're a bit better planned and you really just take some slow time now to think about what you want to do, who you'd like to produce, like make a beautiful gift for, um, or who you might still need to buy something for, what you could do to feel less stressed. And one of my favorite tips, especially when it comes to the cooking front, is once you have decided your menu, have a look and asterisk everything, including the components of recipes. And by components, I mean if there's a dressing or if there's a syrup or um, if there is a pesto or something like that, what components of what you are preparing for Christmas can you prepare not on the day, not even on the day before, but a few days before and get a bit of a timetable happening. So you're just producing one or two little things, getting them ready in the fridge, popping them in the pantry, your dressings, etc. And so you actually have the bulk of it done before the day that you're actually hosting people or um, bringing um, dishes across to a family members. And I find that that makes everything way less stressful and it definitely prevents the last minute stuff it. I can't do all this. I'm just going to go to the shops and buy everything. And then you have more packaging than you want or need as a low toxer. You often spend more than you want or need to. And uh, it produces stress hormones, just that whole experience. And I want for all of us to not have that. There are enough people making us stressed out in the world these days, but we don't need to add to it by producing stress ourselves in our situation. So hopefully those tips resonate with you and that helps as you're leading up to the end of the year and whatever you might be celebrating. And I just want to wish everybody a wonderful end to your year as we start to approach it. So enjoy this wonderful conversation with Joe Witten. Um, I'm always uh, so lucky uh, to have people like, I feel so lucky to have people like Joe in my life. And I know so many people as part of the quirky cooking community and beyond do as well. So if anyone is struggling uh, with mental health in your family, with gut health challenges, and nothing is helping you get better, we do explore a diet that really, really helped the Witten family uh, in this show. But we also talk about how we need to listen to our bodies, work with practitioners so that they know our health story uh, in case um, something different might work for you. I'm, You know me, I'm never someone to say there is one perfect diet for everybody in the world to find optimal health. Uh, there are so many different factors to take into account when designing a great diet that helps you thrive. Uh, and uh, I'm so happy for Joe and her beautiful son, Isaac, that they found what was going to work for them. Um, it's a, a really inspiring story. So I look forward to hearing how you go listening to this episode and uh, please remember to always share it if it resonates with you uh, on your socials. I'm always happy to then copy those across to mine. I always love seeing what people have to say about shows and how they share them with their friends and what big takeaways you had. So feel free and, and share the love. Thanks guys and enjoy. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm good. So nice to see you. It is so lovely to see you too. <laughs> um, guys, we are recording on video so that we can feel like we're having a <laughs> catch up while we record this podcast. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's been at least two years, probably more, since we've actually seen each other. So, yeah, yeah. Know, time goes time flies. Yes. Um, and I would say when you're having fun normally, but then, you know, this year probably. <laughs> when, you're, when you're having COVID? <laughs> no. <laughs> this year probably, a fun is probably not a word I um, Lots of lessons, lots of challenges. Yeah. How has this year been for you guys? Um. The, the whole COVID thing wasn't too bad in far north Queensland. So mm. I kind of, to tell the truth, I kind of breathed a sigh of relief that I was just going to have to stay home. Yeah, <laughs> um, no traveling. Yeah. yeah, and the, you know, all the seminars and everything, I love them. But it's kind of like that feeling you get between Christmas and New Year's mm. where you just like got enforced downtime because nobody's doing anything and yay, I can switch off. Well, I didn't get to switch off because, of course, I was still working from home, but it was still- I love your version of swishing. <laughs> yeah, let's write a second cookbook. A oh, yeah, that's no, third cookbook. My <laughs> yeah. But at least I wasn't running around crazy while doing everything else at home. So, mm. yeah, it was good. I mean, other than, yeah, sometimes it was frustrating because I was trying to do photo shoots for my new cookbook and um, my photographer's in Sydney and I'm in Final Queensland, so that didn't work too well. Mm-hmm. We did do one long distance via Zoom. That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't cooking. They had a team down there cooking. <laughs> I was just overseeing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say because like taking <laughs> of a Zoom screen. Not so good. 2020 digital. We could call it the, yeah, yeah, the 2020 cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> Should have done that. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it would have been good for a laugh, hey? Yeah, but yeah, it was it was up and down. I think like everybody, it it was a weird kind of year that kind of went really slowly and went really quickly at the same time. So what's with that? I don't. I would I would agree with that absolutely. Yeah. Um, look, I know you've told your story a thousand times, but uh, I feel like you know we have fifty odd thousand people who listen to this <laughs> show around the world, and some people may just be under a little rock. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's plenty that haven't written. (laughs) So something that a lot of people struggle with, and it's often why they find communities like ours, is having a health challenge that doesn't seem to respond to the normal conventional protocols of dealing with not feeling well. Um, And, you know, they maybe see the doctor, that doesn't lead anywhere. They maybe take a medication that doesn't help them change their situation. Maybe they end up in the too hard basket um, and being told that that's kind of your lot in life and that's how you're just going to have to try and figure out how to live, take some anti-antacids, take, you know, do all the things mm. that you could maybe do it from a pharmaceutical perspective. But I'm always curious to know, because you had a lot of those challenges yourself, where was the point at which you thought... There's got to be a different way. And what was your issue, actually, for people? Yeah, okay. Well, for myself growing up, I always had the crazy constant histamine issues and colds and tummy upsets and food reactions and I was underweight. I had hormone issues from the time I was about 19 with all the period pain and the acne and the, you know, all the fun stuff. Um, and it just got work- worse as I got older, had kids, got more exhausted, got more run down, got more anxious. 
Um, and the the answers I mostly got were from the medical, you know, um, professionals that I saw um, was that you take these pills or you take this medication or you put this cream on your skin or you sprinkle this powder on your food to gain weight or you do all these things and um, it was all trying to fix the symptoms um, and as we know that often just goes nowhere and it went nowhere for me and even though I followed everything they said religiously nothing changed and I continued to get worse mm. once I started having kids they started having the same sorts of issues as me the the digestive upsets the anxiety the um, underweight um, you know all the things and I just really thought there's got to be like at first when I was younger, I was like, well, this is just my lot in life. Like you said, there's yeah. nothing I can do about it. I just have to take antihistamines. I have to take, you know, the pill. I have to take hormone medication. I have to take, you know, all these things. That's just my life. But then as I, I, as I got older, I kept thinking um, it was almost like this niggling voice in my head saying, what about food? What about food? There's got to be something to do with food. Surely food could make a difference. But whenever I went to a doctor or even a dietitian, I didn't get the answers I needed. And when I finally started seeing a naturopath when my youngest child was one, had four kids under seven by then, <laughs> um, <laughs> slightly exhausted, um, she, oh, sorry, um, my naturopath started explaining to me the importance of gut health and um, what kinds of things affect gut health and what happens when your gut health is not good and mm -hmm. um, leaky gut and all these. And this was, oh, goodness, 17, no, 16 years ago. And so Gosh, we very... both turned to a naturopath around about the same time. I was saying Okay, so. yeah. And I, I was... had never heard of them before. I didn't know yep. what to do. Same, I was thinking this could be a little wacky, but I'm just going to go see. <laughs> exactly. I was like, well, surely there's got to be something else I can try. And mm. I just... Like my main thought, I started seeing a chiropractor around the same time and I, like my main thought was there's got to be something to do with food. And the chiropractor and the naturopath both started telling me the same things about food. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. And as we started to bring in those whole food, healing food type principles, we slowly improved. But at first it was very basic. It's always, you know, one step at a time is the way you're meant to do it, which... That's all your brain can handle generally. Um, and, yeah, it took years to see big changes and the big changes mostly came later when I understood more about gut health. But that was the beginning, just that feeling that there was something more than just medications and pills and um, giving up. <laughs> and I thought, no, I'm going to look into food and that's when everything changed. Amazing. And it's so heartbreaking to see how it retrospectively these mm. massive issues happen if a young woman in her teens is told to go on the pill to regulate mm -hmm. her menstrual cycle, which, by the way, it robs you of a menstrual exactly. cycle. It doesn't regulate anything. It yeah. literally takes it away. Yeah. Uh, all it. the deficiencies that come with that mm. and then you have four kids under seven mm -hmm. and then you compound existing underlying mm. conditions and it's just the perfect storm for everything to go bonkers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and just seeing 
once you start seeing your kids suffering, I think that's when you go, okay, enough is enough. We've yeah. got to, we're desperate now. It's not just me. Yeah. You know, it's these little lives that I've got to look after. Yeah. And did you feel yes. like when you switched to Whole Foods, the kids improved faster than you did because oh, yeah. they were just, they're younger, right? So there's less right. wrong with them. Yeah. I would, you know, sometimes we'd go through a really bad patch and I'd be like, nope, I've got to pull back on the diet. I've got to, you know, no sugar, no gluten, no dairy, because back then we were reacting to dairy and everything. Um, and so I'd be really strict for like a week and everything would clear up within days. Like I would see such big changes in the kids within days. And, and then you know see- with the kids it's not psychosomatic because they haven't had time. That's right. They were little. Pull that wiring um, yeah. and be affected by it. But the crazy thing is that as an adult, I still doubted that. And then I'd be like, oh, but what if it wasn't that? What if they were just sick and they got better? Well, let me just, I'll just let a few things back in. We'll see what happens. And then downhill they'd go bit by bit. There'd be a crash. I'd pull back again. It was just this roller coaster, slowly improving, improving over the years, but lots of roller coaster moments. (laughs) And at what point did you think um, that you actually needed to take a deeper dive into the diet because Mm. uh, I know a lot of people switch to whole foods. That's kind of a bit of a gateway, if you like, to exploring (laughs) foods, just literally ditching the packets and heading for ingredients and produce Mm -hmm. and more scratch cooking. Um, What made you think you needed to do more? We had been trying to be pretty much whole foods um, for Uh, let me think, probably 12 or so years and then my son Isaac's health just really crashed and I was just like, what the, like I was, I'd just written my first cookbook and it was all about healthy eating and whole foods and then my son's health crashed and I was like, what's going on? I thought I was doing the right thing. And And I just asked there because I find this a really interesting um, struggle that a lot of people Mm. who help support people's health in a community sense then have these intense challenges on a personal level Ugh. did you feel like oh my god I'm a sham you I'm know, a failure I'm yes of course I did <laughs> not even working for us yeah. yeah um because it it felt like things had been going better and better and better and so then you're like okay I want to share this and then suddenly it felt like suddenly but looking back I can see the red flags but it felt like it suddenly all fell down around me and I was like, what have I done wrong? And, of course, you blame yourself. It's like mm-hmm. I must have missed something. I did something wrong. What have I, you know, and you start beating yourself up as a mum especially, I think. Um, and and it's really hard to sort of tell everyone, okay, well, all this stuff I've been telling you is a good start but there's more to it than this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really diving into what is causing our issues what is the root cause um that's when things really started to change should I tell them about what happened with Isaac yeah absolutely yeah he was struggling with a bit of anxiety off and on from the time he was probably 11 or 9 or you know back then (laughs) um and like I said I would pull back on the diet he'd improve and then um he just had little weird things that I thought were just his personality, like very sensitive, very like he'd have fears and phobias about the craziest things. And, you know, you just think, well, that's his personality, his characteristics. It's not 
yeah, his quirks. <laughs> um, and then when he was 13, um, he decided that he was doing too much computer games. This is mm-hmm. amazing, quite amazing. Um, he was only allowed one hour a day back then, but he decided it was too much because he couldn't stop thinking about it and it became an obsession and he recognised that. Oh, wow. I said, yeah, and he said, I can't stop thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. I draw it. I talk about it. I can't stop thinking about it. It was Minecraft back then. Mm. And um, so he said, I'm just going to stop. I was like, okay. I was thinking, oh, that's good, you know. The next day all these crazy obsessions and fears and phobias began. It was like he took away that one thing and then everything began. It was what we eventually found out was that he had severe OCD and having that something to obsess about was kind of a crutch for him. And when he took that away, it just like completely, he fell apart. He honestly fell apart. And at 13 years old, within days, he couldn't dress himself. He couldn't just go to the toilet, have a shower, make his bed, get out of bed, get into bed, take his seatbelt off, put it on. Everything he would do over and over and over and over, screaming and crying, and you would have to help him to get it done. Um, he was so scared of certain colours. He was scared of snakes biting him. He was scared of the walls closing in on him. He couldn't sleep. He was so scared of things touching his teeth like a spoon or a fork that he couldn't feed himself, so I had to spoon feed him. And if the spoon clicked against his teeth, he'd try and fling it across the room. And just it just went really weird within days. Um, and when the doctor, you know, started trying to figure out what was going on and figured out that it was OCD, um, they put him on to... Uh, low dose of an antidepressant and and can I ask what the diagnostic procedure was that he went through to get question to that? and answer okay yeah um, so no tests or anything just going th- basically they have a checklist and he checked every single thing on the list like he mm. had phobias of people he had just everything mm. um, and so when he started on this medication I said to the doctor I I just want to try and work on things naturally. I understand that he's not coping and no one's coping and so the medication might have to happen for now, but I don't want this to be for very long and I want to get him off it. And she was like, oh, no, 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 you don't really need to. You know, people are on antidepressants all their lives and it's fine. I said, he's 13. I don't want him on antidepressants. I want to help him through this and help him get off it. um, so with a lot of research and good advice from um, beautiful people like Jude Blarow and, yeah. you know, people like that who really understand food and health, um, I started to look into gut health and the connection between the gut and the brain and researching all that and we decided to do the GAPS protocol mm. um, to heal his gut and that was the beginning of big changes for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, big changes in the sense that the diet itself can be really challenging in the early days. Yeah, in many ways. But yeah. big big changes in what it produced, right? Yes, yes. It's just, so talk yeah. Talk about the initial changes yeah. you saw and how fast you saw them. Okay, so just in case anyone doesn't know what GAPS is, it stands for Gut and Psychology or Gut and Physiology Syndrome. Mm. Um, and it's 
basically pulling back the diet to really easy to digest foods, foods that help to heal the gut lining and rebalance the microbiome with good, you know, all the beautiful beneficial bacteria in fermented foods and um, getting those really healing good fats in from egg yolks and animal fats and things like that. Um, the soups and the stews and the casseroles and just nourishing, healing, traditional foods. And it just made so much sense to me as I studied it. And I was like, okay, this, this is something that we can do. And we'd already been gluten-free, mostly grain-free, whole food for a fair while. So it wasn't gigantic changes for us. Although the kids did scream and cry a little about the bread. <laughs> there was a few slammed doors. Yeah, um, them all on it because it was I did because it would have been too hard to have things in the pantry and fridge that he couldn't eat. Mm. And when I started to talk through the symptoms of gut health with different people, I realised that we all had gut health issues. That was the root cause of what we'd been struggling with all our lives. Mm. My hormone issues, my weight, you know, not being able to gain weight, um, skin issues, constant colds, low low immunity, high histamines, all these things were related to the poor gut health that we'd been struggling with. So I was like, we all need this. <laughs> um, and so, I, you know, I explained to the kids why we were doing it and Isaac was completely on board because he just wanted to be well and mm-hmm. the others wanted to support him. So they were all, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, let's do it. Um, and so we started slowly pulling back on um, like the starchy foods, started to just have only honey as a sweetener, really pulling back on sweets though, pulling back on the baking and the treats and things like that for the moment Um, and just trying to get more things like short-cooked meat stocks, um, the sauerkraut, um, well, we started with sauerkraut juice, so very small amounts of fermented foods, bringing them in slowly. And within probably a week, you know, you have that bit of a crash with your energy and you start to detox and you feel awful, but then the energy comes back and you're just like, whoa, I feel so good on this diet. And um, Isaac and I, we still talk about it that, you know, you hit that mark of about one week and you're like, whoa, I feel amazing. Um, And he started to pick up really quickly. Like you said earlier, kids just pick up quickly. Mm. Um, They don't have as much baggage as us. And so within probably two weeks, he was, you know, smiling and laughing again, which was just amazing. Um, Within a few more weeks, he was able to like go out, hang out with friends. Um, Within three months, I remember saying to the psychologist, I'm just really scared that it's the medication that's you know, made the difference. And what happens if we go off the medication? Will he go right back to where he was? And she said, it's not the medication. She said, usually the doctor's doubled the dose by now. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, we're on the right track and kept going. Um, You know, within six months, he was back to his really out. He's a very outgoing, happy boy usually. Oh, yeah. And I yes. there in the show notes one of his YouTubes where yeah. he tells <laughs> very story his story because yeah. what better person to tell it than the teenager? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I can definitely give you a link to that because he's, you know, it took a little bit of time but he came back to us and within a year he was off all medication and he's never been back on. He's 19 now doing really well, working full-time, um, learning three languages. You know, it's just that, that, is, that is a little OCD. But <laughs> he has a few quirks still, but that's that's just OCD. You will always have some quirks. 
works, but you use them to your advantage. (laughs) And he's really learned how to look after his own health through all this. I think that's one of the best things that we learned through GAPS was learning to listen to your body and learning when you need to tweak things and that's individual for everyone and the kids have really um, learned so much from that. So that's been great. Mm. Um, thank you for sharing that story again because I'm sure mm. people listening now who are parents who are struggling with a child, maybe their own health and um, they're looking for what might support them. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to ask, though, obviously, like, we we do have these situations where one man's kryptonite is another man's mm. saviour. How do you feel you arrived at, um, you know, like what was part of your investigative process that made you land on gaps for you guys and, um, and what would you recommend to parents or people struggling with their gut health that they research to arrive at the best point for them? Because it could be different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going back to basic principles of healing Hmm. Um, and that's why I guess that's why I clicked with GAPS because it made so much sense. Um, But if you start with whole foods, that's where everybody should start and then, you know, of course, if you're unwell, there's probably going to be certain foods that you can't handle at the moment even if they are beautiful, organic, fresh whole foods, you still can't handle them and that's normal when you've got a damaged gut. Um, so, of course, you would omit those for the moment, but do your research and look into what are the healing, what are the foods that biologically heal the gut lining, if that's your issue, you know, and for most of us, we do need to work on that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, understanding how it works makes the big difference. And I think when I first started, I didn't understand a lot of it, which is normal. Um, and I thought, okay. Bone broths, bone broths are the way to go. Everybody says bone broths heal the gut. And then I learned later on that long-cooked bone broths actually are hard to digest for a damaged gut and you need short-cooked meat stocks. Um, I that's the hard way with my Yeah, same. And, and you're going to get, like I, I would get really bad histamine reactions um, mm. if you have a lot of long-cooked bone broths and you have histamine intolerance, you're just going to feel dreadful. Yeah, um, and but same just for people who don't understand why the histamine issues rise in the mm. first place. There's a couple of reasons, but one is the DAO enzyme that is responsible for uh, processing histamine that's in your diet is one of the many enzymes that can be damaged in a gut health, a mm-hmm. poor gut health picture. Yeah. Um, so if you've lost your tight junctures, you've lost your enzymes, really low level of enzymes. One of the best experiments you can do is for a couple of weeks take digestive enzymes and DAO and see if you feel like you digest your food much better. Mm. Um, if that does help, don't stay on the digestive enzymes, start the gut healing <laughs> because yeah. we should actually be able to build back our enzymes. Um, and it's, it is amazing how quickly you can see the healing changes, even for adults. Like, our bodies are amazing and I know when you start to get that lining healed and you start to get more um, diverse bacteria back into your system, it's like your body knows what to do mm. and it's just amazing. But, yeah, I, I just really, once I understood how cells heal and how, um, you know, what foods they actually biologically need to heal, 
whatever your thoughts on different foods, there is certain principles of health Mm. that just work for everybody. There's certain things that we can all benefit from. So looking at those really basic building blocks of good health and and finding and, and thinking about what have people used for thousands of years to nourish new mothers and to nourish um, you know women who want to have children and you know it's it's well known in you know most in all ancient cultures what foods you should eat to nourish your body yeah. and so that's the principles that have been used in gaps for um, helping people to nourish their bodies and it still works today <laughs> yeah. um, but you definitely have to tweak it depending on your specific situation and that's why I would always recommend having a practitioner on board and not just going random. (laughs) (laughs) Good plan. And then so at what point when you're doing something like a GAPS diet do you know you're safe to introduce new foods because it's a bit of a um, trial and error thing, isn't it? And sometimes you can take it back and go, whoa, shouldn't have added sour cream yet. Yeah, yes. I, I did make the mistake of adding kimchi too early. That was not good. <laughs> While away on a trip. <laughs> so be careful with things like kimchi. Um, so, yeah, just I think you've got to think, just remember the principle of super easy to digest, super gentle on the stomach, the kind of things that you could give a toddler who's just starting on, you know, solid food, the kind of things you could give them safely and not worry about it. Um, so you're starting off like that and then you're slowly adding in things that are more crunchy or more browned or more spicy or, you know, that are a bit harder to digest, a little bit more starchy. Um, so for us, uh, when I did start to bring in, let me see, when I started to bring in carrot juice, for instance, I had to bring that in like a teaspoon at a time because it just went straight through me. Like you oh, really wow. have to, yeah, you just take it. Basically, the recommendation in GAPS is you have a little bit of a food and then you leave it for three days. Mm. And if you get any reaction in that time, then you pull that back. But if you don't, then you try it again and just build it up slowly. Mm. Um, so it is it's like feeding a baby. It is. And that's why I keep saying to people, it's kind of like feeding a baby. You just start with the really, it's not baby food. It's still yummy food, but it's very easy to cope with for a damaged gut. Mm. And you start to understand what your symptoms are when you're reacting to food. And I think they are also different for different people. Like some people will come out with eczema, some people will get headaches, some people will get diarrhea. It's just, yeah, it's different for everyone. Yeah. And something you said there was, you know, foods that you would feed a toddler, you know, really easy to digest. But then I was thinking, my gosh, there's actually a confusing element to that statement because... The standard diet true. or simple, plain foods that you would feed a baby because That's they are true. inverted <laughs> safe, like your rice cereals and mm, your... no, I don't mean that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? So I guess I'm thinking more of I know traditional Western A price type. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so if we think about traditional foods, we don't think about what is culturally normal. That's yes. not the same. And traditional foods. And so if we were to define traditional foods, we think back to what traditional cultures would have eaten all around the world. And the the cereals, even if you did find cereals in some of the cultures, they're made from really much easier to digest things like Mm -hmm. your buckwheats, your millet, your millet, 
Um, and these things are soaked and uh, sprouted and that's the traditional version of yeah. um, grains if you were to even go there in the first place. Um, yeah. in diet. Well, I think that's one of the areas that we really fell down, you know, um, my mum didn't know any better and I didn't know any better and you get you have your baby and you get given this pack in the hospital and it's got all these booklets and you read it and it says to feed your baby rice cereal and rusks and ribena and this and that and I did all that Mm. and my eldest daughter's teeth were rotten by four years old Mm. she had ribena and all the things that they said and it was her gut health and her teeth were terrible yeah and just looking back you're just like I wish I'd known like my niece um, has two little boys and the way that she feeds them is the Western A. Price style. And I'm just looking at them just glowing with health going, oh, I wish I'd known that. But you can only do what you know, can't, can't you? It's so true. And I remember reading um, Western A. Price's book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Mm-hmm. Gosh, would have been about it would have been when Seb was a newborn so it was 11 and a half years ago now well done see I didn't know anything about it I know and it just so happened um because I had gone on that whole train of learning about food because of the chronic tonsillitis and the naturopath Mm. got me off the gluten 17 years ago that forced me to look at all the ingredient lists to find gluten and to make sure I was avoiding gluten in the supermarket Mm. But it, because I had to decode every single ingredient on the list just in case one of them meant gluten, it meant that I was looking up the definitions of things like sulfur preservative, sulfur-based preservatives and all that kind of stuff yonks ago. And mm. so it actually got me into the additives, preservatives, kind of just ditching all of it and to yep. help how to cook. Um, so I'm really grateful that um, yeah. I didn't quit gluten that long ago before they had replaced all the processed foods with gluten-free processed food. Yes. Because this yep. day and age, gosh, the processed food market didn't want to lose all their gluten-free customers, did mm-hmm. they? So they created all this gluten-free food. And I always say to people in talks, a gluten-free cheesy puff is still a cheesy puff. It's still <laughs> a shocker. It's still yep. processed. It's still a shocker for the environment, uh, for your hormone yep. health from the soft plastic packaging. It's a full mm. stop shocker. So yep. um, it's so interesting, isn't it, when we think about what's culturally normal versus what's actually traditional. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really you know, when you were saying earlier about gaps being um, challenging for us, I think a lot of that challenge was in our heads at mm. first. And then once we got into it, it was like, oh, I no longer have to read all those packets. Mm. I no longer have to go and find five different flowers to make a gluten-free bread because <laughs> you can't just use one. Um yeah and starches and gums and whatever and make this complicated recipe we're just having meat and veg. veggies and yeah. nuts and seeds and yogurt and a bit of fruit and now and then or, and eggs of course lots of eggs <laughs> and butter <laughs> and now and then I might make a treat out of almond meal or pita meal but it's just so simple and that's what I love about it it's just really simplified Michael King yeah and in the end it was easier mm. So interesting. And so how, what does it look like for you guys now? Have you held on to a lot of those principles and maybe just brought back the odd thing every now and then? Is that how? Yeah. 
Yeah, the first thing we brought back in was some potato and I do love having potato back in the diet. But I mean, I am careful because I do notice if I have too much, my blood sugar levels get a bit funny. I have to be careful with not too much starchy food. Um, But potatoes, rice, um, you know, a little bit of, I'll sometimes make some gluten-free bread or sourdough. Um, And we even have had some wheat sourdough here and there and, and been okay with that. Um, and it's really expanded our diet. You can go out and have a bit more of um, things that we couldn't have before that now don't affect us, especially in small amounts, like if you're out and about. Dairy, we're good with now. I was so bad with dairy that I couldn't even handle ghee, and it took me a year to heal enough to have dairy. So what would happen if you had some some dairy in something? Um, If I had a bit of butter or ghee, I would be all sniffy and stuffy the next day. If I had it two days in a row, I'd get a cold. And if I had it three days in a row, I'd get like a raging flu. Oh, my God. So, yeah, just That's terrible headaches. and months. Yeah, yeah, just, a, yeah. And, it yeah, it took a year for me to get to the stage where I could just eat dairy and not have any reactions, but it's just so freeing. <laughs> mm. But I don't go crazy with it and I try to stick to mostly fermented dairy and um, butter and ghee, that kind of thing. But, yeah, yeah, if there's milk in something, it doesn't bother me so much. Um, and, and the kids have really found the same sort of things. Um, Isaac finds if he goes too far, um, he knows it because he gets the breakouts mm-hmm. and he gets the anxiety. So then he pulls himself back and he's really good about making sure things are gluten-free and don't have vegetable oils and don't have sugar, even coconut sugar he tries to avoid because he finds even that um, affects him a little. So, yeah, we do have to still be careful and most of our food would probably be similar to GAPS, not all, but we do have a bit, yeah, a bit more um, starches now, so that's great. Mm, awesome. And um Something that a lot of people struggle with when they switch to specific um, healing diets, protocols, or even just whole food scratch cooking is um, kind of, and, you know, bring in organics and that's kind of the cherry on top financially, Mm. um, is the uh, change in your food costs Mm. um, and actually having to, get upfront and personal about what food actually costs when you are eating actual food yeah. that, that helps you thrive. It's a very <laughs> different cost to what we're told your average supermarket shop should be in the supermarket. Yeah, bread shouldn't actually cost $2 a loaf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tough, right? So in terms yeah. of because you have a huge community and you've obviously supported people in Mm. that area and in those transitions for years, what Mm. are some of your favourite tips to actually not make it quite so intense? Stressful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the first thing I always say to people is keep it simple. If you're buying the basic whole food ingredients, it is going to cost less than buying packaged stuff. So I know it can get tiring sometimes and you just don't feel like cooking and then you go and buy um you know you might go to the health food shop and buy all these cool things that they've got good ingredients but they're so expensive (laughs) um and you know it can get out of control if you are shopping at those kind of places and buying a lot of that stuff so I try to really focus on you know those basic ingredients 
just like you do, um, and cook from scratch as much as possible. Um, bulking everything out with heaps of veggies, that always helps to cut down costs. Like the mm. meat side of things I think can get expensive for people. Um, I buy my meat in bulk as much as possible. So I get like a quarter of a beast for the beef. Mm. I get like a half a lamb. I get a big box of reef fish that's local wild caught. I get my chicken from a CSA where they're all running around free and happy and <laughs> um, pesticide free and they get delivered every three weeks. And so I, I really try to do as much bulk shopping as I can, my meat as well as my nuts, seeds, um, nut meals. But would you say having a chest freezer is probably one of the best oh, investments people could make? Yes, I bought my chest freezer probably 20 years ago. I started using one and buying in bulk mm. and it's made a gigantic difference. When I first started buying in bulk, I was we were on a single income with little kids and what I would do is each week I'd put away a little bit of money in an account and when I got to three months, I'd do my bulk order. Mm. Um, so that was sort of saving up each because we did. I was in a co-op where we did um, all the pantry stuff yeah. every three months. And that helped me be able to afford that big output. Um, and it just saves so much money. I cannot bear to go and buy little packets of nuts and seeds from the supermarket now. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have to because you're testing a recipe and you've run out of something, but it's like kills me. I know. Um, so recipe testing part really tough. I actually It is. Buy. You spend a lot more. Yeah, and I'm just fessing up. Like I'm actually writing a food book that centres around climate change at the moment. Um, and I had to buy lemons from the U freaking S. I know it feels. <laughs> I had to test this salad dressing and I just had to get it done. And um, it was heartbreaking and it makes yeah. you see how broken the food system is. Yeah. Well, but it's also how important it is to do things more slowly in bulk with yeah. foresight and planning yes. because it helps you have more control over your food sourcing in the first place. And it helps you have more variety in the months of the year where things are a bit sparse. So yeah. I generally have mango in my freezer all year because mm. we have a glut of mango at this time of year. Yeah. Um, I generally have things like... Um, lemon and lime juice in my freezer in little like I just put them in ice cube trays and pop them into bags and just keep them in the freezer yeah. because certain times of the year I have 10 or 15 limes in my veggie box each week and I'm just like ah oh. but yeah. later in the year it's good because I've got yeah. it in the freezer so it's um all of that kind of thing instead of um you know, whenever something is in season if you can freeze it or dry it or do something like that it's the age-old practice of preserving, fermenting, mm. freezing. Um, so get as much of it put away when it's in season and it's cheap and it's fresh so that when it comes to another time of the season and you want to buy it, you're not spending crazy amounts from something overseas. Mm. Um, yeah, minimising packaged foods and refined foods. I just, like when I walk past someone with a trolley full of packaged refined foods, my first thought is not the health. Mine is, how do they afford that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's expensive. And it's such a mind shift, isn't it? Because it if is. you actually take all those packets out and put a dollar value on them, reinvest exactly. that into your breakfast, lunch and dinner, yeah. quite often you don't end up cost neutral. I think we have to be honest here. Yeah. Very close to. And you've got much higher nu nutrition value. Mm, you know, yeah, exactly. Then you're actually eating much higher percentage of stuff that helps you thrive. 
So when I look at, for instance, um, organic broccolini or something, and then I compare that to some little snack that's like basically fluff for five dollars a packet, and you think, well, it's worth it's worth it to me to yeah. pay the extra, have something that's actually going to keep me satiated and nourish my cells. Mm. And I don't, I actually don't eat as much as I used to. So when we ate all the refined fluff and I was constantly living on carbs, I had to eat every two hours and that's yeah, when I was so underweight mm. because I'd, my body wasn't getting the nourishment I needed. Now I can fast until 11 a.m., 12 p.m. and I'm not that hungry. Yeah. And then I'll have two good-sized meals. I don't really snack much unless there's something very delicious in the fridge like <laughs> raspberry jelly cheesecake slice <laughs> or something like that. I would have you browsing maybe a couple of browsing. times a day. Oh, just yes. a little paper-thin slice. Yes, that's yeah. right. At the moment it's fruitcake. There is fruitcake in the fridge and that's <laughs> tempting. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not – it's funny how it – kind of evens out in that way as well because you're having all those really nutrient-dense foods and the nut meals and the eggs and the fats and so you just have a little bit and it's like okay I'm done mm. so yeah that's I think that helps with the costs balance yeah, it all out for sure and um, I was at the petrol station yesterday and um and I saw you know those impulse buy racks that they have I'm always curious to see if there's something new there there was a bag of like a little teeny tiny bag, picture a bag of M&Ms or that kind of size, of fairy floss. No. <laughs> no joke. How much was it? $3 and it's basically just half sugar. Half a teaspoon of sugar. <laughs> yeah, half a teaspoon of sugar spun into air. Uh-huh. And, um, and the ingredient list was artificial flavours and colours uh, and natural flavours and colours. And sugar beet. So we know for a fact, given that 95% of the world's sugar beet is genetically modified, that that's a bit of a sinister um, <sighs> forest clearing crop. And um, and I was just gobsmacked by this $3 packet. of. And what would it do for anyone other than make them feel really ill? Yeah. Yeah, that's, and I think it's the nostalgia more than anything with fairy floss. It's like, um, when you go to the show it's or the fair. Yeah, it's like, oh, my goodness, very floss, how cool. Yeah, no, this was so, in a yeah. petrol station. Oh, in- my goodness, I can't believe that. It was that. so unromantic. It was like, <laughs> kind of to um, break it down. Wow. But, yeah, this is, and you think, you know, that $3 could have bought you a bunch of broccolini. Exactly, um, or, or at least some, you know, some good quality organic potatoes that you could mm. make some wedges with or something yes totally so true um just I was just going to say also if you can start a veggie garden or plant a few things that even I find even just having herbs in pots saves me money because you tend to buy a pack of herbs and then use a bit of it and then the lot goes to waste so things like that um cutting down on food waste learning how to um to freeze or dry or ferment so that you're not wasting the food that you do buy. Yeah, so good. Um, and then in terms of um, setting yourself up for success at the start of a week when you're cooking, um, you're not one to cook just one little thing um, and one little you serve. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> what, are, what are a couple of your best tips for starting on the front foot? Uh, do a cook-up once a week if you can, but if you don't have time for that, you know, three hours or whatever to do 
a few meals, um, at least whenever you have time, double whatever you're cooking if it's something that's freezeable. Mm -hmm. um, and that just helps so much, even like making a giant pot of bolognese sauce instead of one batch, um, making a big stew and using putting half in the freezer. And what I often do is make half the stew for a meal and then the other half goes into pasties. Mm -hmm. um, with my grain-free dough and then they go in the freezer so this morning I pulled out a little like there's nothing for work lunches and I went aha pulled out my big container of little pasties with stew so that everyone went off to work quite happily mm -hmm. um, but having those you know prepare ahead type meals in the freezer and then I usually pair them with something fresh just mm -hmm. to zhuzh it up a bit yeah. <laughs> salad um, sauerkraut veggies um, but um, I try to do my sister and I actually together do a cook up on Mondays, which is awesome fun. If oh, you can find know. someone to cook with, I think it makes a difference. We didn't live in the same area for a long time. No, did we? we didn't. And she moved back a couple of years ago and it's just That's so nice. nice. We mm -hmm. do a lot of cooking together and so does the kids because um, her, her, sorry, her son loves to cook. So every Saturday he cooks some fancy thing and the cousins go over. Aww. So, yeah, it's really lovely to have people to share food with and cook with and eat with, I think, gives you more motivation mm. to try new things and to, yeah, and you can sort of do, you can either do the thing where you both bring um, ingredients for dishes and you both take home half of everything. Yeah. Or you can, um, yeah, there's different ways, but it's just that really helps to have her there. Mm -hmm. um, and we also do... When I'm cooking something, so I might get up at, well, I generally get up about 5.30 or 6 and I'll start something for breakfast that also works for lunch. Yeah. So they'll have it for both. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you can just sort of add something to it if you want to change it a bit. So um, for breakfast it has eggs with it, for lunch it has sauerkraut with it. My yeah, kids absolutely. Mind. And I think it's really important to um, to sort of start dissociating this weird um, link between food having to be this enormously exciting oh, and yes. completely fresh and new and different every meal kind of phenomenon that we've gotten yeah. from it's a like, pretty modern you know, idea isn't it very modern idea and you know partly because of all the amazing cooking shows partly yeah. globalization because we see and eating out different cultures at our doorstep takeaway yeah and we've gone to this real what do I feel like because I could have anything I want mm. um, and there's a whole host of reasons that that's actually not mentally or physically healthy mm -hmm. yeah we really overwhelm ourselves with our cooking and there's no need mm. once you start pulling back and making it all simpler you realize how satisfying simple food can be like with you know foods meals that are based on a good short cooked meat stock with good quality salt and good quality pepper and a big spoonful of butter in it you don't need anything else it's got amazing flavor <laughs> but if you want to you can add some spices and herbs but you know it's just um I've just really learned to appreciate really simple food I think again and it's been really good for our family and the kids are learning um to cook as well and so that helps I think as the kids get older definitely get them involved yeah um and just even when they're little get them involved mm. And um, with Christmas coming up, mm -hmm. uh, I know you guys are huge fans of Christmas and that is what you celebrate mm -hmm. in your family. What are some of the traditions that you look forward to, either food-wise or otherwise? 
It's pretty much all food wise. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the food. Yeah. Well, food and family. Um, For us, Christmas has always been like if I close my eyes and think of Christmas, I'm in my mum's kitchen and I'm cooking with my sisters and it's very loud and there's lots of laughing and stories about when we were little and Mm. there's amazing, delicious food and, you know, just the noise and the people and the food. It's just that's Christmas to me. Yeah. Um, And we always have a lot of traditional kind of American things as my parents are from America. So we have things like pecan pie and pumpkin pie and um, all of those things, but I've made my healthier versions of them so that, you know, it's not sugar overload. Um, We also generally have the big roast turkey and the, you know, roast veggies and the salads, um, some kind of cheesecake. Uh, Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And in our family, we always have maple butter toffee, which Cassia Uh started making last night. So that's on the way. (laughs) You've got to make a few batches because it's very popular. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and and so that sounds really lovely and I love that you've brought in some of those American traditions so that yeah. it, you know, it carries on and I think that's one of the best things about being an international family Yeah, is you have these traditions that are really deep inside you even though you've never lived in that other place or maybe you were just small when you moved yeah. like we were. Um, and I love doing some of those French things. In, oh, in, I bet. I love your yeah. French cooking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what you're cooking now. <laughs> well, we are. We actually, so we do two Christmases because we do the French Christmas on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And um, very luckily and wonderfully, uh, my in law family and um, my immediate family, everyone gets along super well. So oh, we that's celebrate so nice. the French Christmas. All of us come to Aww. my mum and dad's place and do that there. And then we all go to oh, my that's so sweet. place for Aussie Christmas the next day Um, and to top it off we're in Mossvale and Bowral so it's literally two ten minutes down the road so good Christmases it's crazy so um on spread I always reckon spread it out get get as you know have as many days as you can for the feasting now you don't have to just try and eat everything in one day it's too hard (laughs) it is way too hard and probably um not a good idea indigestion yes (laughs) so on Christmas Eve, we do something quite light, actually. Uh, Mum does the chocolate pav. That's her signature. Oh, that sounds yum. And it is just delicious. Is that like um, melted chocolate through it? Yes, exactly. Right. Yum. Yeah, so two super tiny little um, pellets of chocolate mm-hmm. folded through the meringue and then they melt gradually as the chocolate cooks. As the amazing. Um, and then with just a simple chocolate whipped cream and fresh raspberries. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a very complicated one. Um, I always make um, some two sort of fancy salads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this year I'm doing my meat-along zucchini, which is the um, roasted and cooled zucchini all spread out on a big platter and then like delicious nuts and pomegranates and goat's cheese and oh, all, over, all over the top. So it's served cold because it's a bit yeah. hot, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then I'm thinking of chucking a pesto pasta salad in there um, with nice. some really yummy scorched almonds and um, and parmesan and fresh basil. Um, yeah, that's always popular. Yeah, and then we just do the glazed ham. Um, we mm-hmm. get ethical farmers, so it's a really beautiful um, sourced ham. And um, 
and the good old prawns and avocado. Like, so there's a bit of French, there's a bit of, um, yep. it's, it's like Aussie, there's, it's a nice little mix. And then my mum-in-law does a very traditional turkey yep. kind of vibe the next day. So it's, it's yeah, really nice. We're looking forward to it too. So much fun. Every year there's so many things I want to make and so that's why it's good when you have, well, we had Thanksgiving already, so we did that and we had the giant spread with we already had turkey and cornbread stuffing and pecan pie and pumpkin pie and all those things at Thanksgiving, but we'll probably have a lot of the same things. <laughs> um, but I also usually make trifle and things like that for Christmas. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, good fun, good mixture. Yeah, nice mixture indeed. And I think yeah. it's, um, it's just it's lovely to have food traditions, I think, because and things that you don't make at other points in the year, I think, is one of the critical things. So it's I think so. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we worked out. Inspired our- me to do something a little bit more fancy, though, with like a couple of little extras. I always do do my vanilla shortbreads, though. Oh, yeah. Um, and I put Christmas spices in them, so they taste. Oh, what a good idea! Have you got those posted anywhere? Uh, yes, I do. I'll send them. Ooh, yeah, I want the link. <laughs> I'm going to try them. Yeah, Everybody great. loves shortbread. I know, right? It's mm-hmm. just such a hit. And, yeah. Uh, and hopefully it'll work for you guys um, uh, diet-wise. I mean, mind you, it's only once a I can tweak. Yeah, well, I was thinking of making my gingerbread that I make that's grain-free, heaps of spice in, and doing the gingerbread men in the trifle. You know, have you seen those trifles oh, with yeah. the gingerbread men? Yeah. <laughs> so Cassie is going to help me with that one. That'll awesome. be fun. Love it. Yeah. Hopefully people have had Cherries. a few there now that um, <laughs> um, I have one more question for you. Okay. I'm very excited um, to know that you have another book on the horizon. Yes. Super excited. Your first book, which I had the great pleasure of helping you in my tiny little kitchen. We back did. Then. Just had such a fun time that week getting it more <laughs> with me for you. Yeah, um, that was awesome. Thank you again. <laughs> Great, such good the photos pop up now and then on Facebook. <laughs> and then your incredible life changing book came out. Was it the year before last? Two thousand and seventeen. End of two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Oh my gosh, gosh, a while ago now. Yeah. Um. So it's been a little while between cookbooks, but what can we expect with your next one? Um. Is so the next one sequel vibe, or is it? Um. um it's like a deeper dive so it will look very similar to life-changing food same size same kind of you know cover material and everything so I want it to look like a a sister book if that's Mm -hmm. how you say it Um, but a deeper dive into gut health so um, for the people who like me found that although life-changing food does have a lot of gut health stuff in it I just thought I really want to get the um the gaps recipes that I've developed over the years in there because people on a gut healing diet get very uh sometimes it's hard to be imaginative with less ingredients Mm. put it that way and you can end up eating chicken and pumpkin soup every day which is not really very exciting and I don't think you'll stick with it (laughs) yeah yeah um so I've put in well we're struggling with that whole everything has to be new and exciting thing, right? So you have yeah, to break away right. from the culture. It's a huge thing. And it has, it has been really hard. Yeah, someone's beeping out there. It has been really hard for me to um, pull back and say, no, it's okay to do a cookbook that's super simple. And the feedback that I'm getting from everyone is, no, we want a super simple cookbook because we're struggling with time. We're overwhelmed. We're sick. We're 
stressed. We want simple. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do simple. <laughs> so um, there's only a few recipes in there that have, you know, a bit more work like a beef massaman curry or something like that. But most of them are very, very simple. So the recipe book is called Simple Healing Food. Oh, beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. and it's so helpful for very, people. It's also um, the book that I wanted to write for my kids for when they leave home, you know, just things that I know that they can very easily make without too much thought after yeah. work or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it won't be stressful for them to leave home and still eat well. So yeah. that's sort of my aim there. Yeah. And, you know, even if they depart and they go get their fish and chips one night with friends yeah. and things like they just can come back to those basic, simple meals. Yes, and, you know, those days when you go, I really know I need chicken soup. Where's yeah. mum's book? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that just one of the best things about raising kids on a whole food foundation is you get that boomerang effect. Oh, you? yes. You just understand more deeply how critical it is to yeah. thriving and feeling your best. It's funny, sometimes I get really busy and I like chuck a piece of steak on a plate with a big spoonful of sauerkraut and go, there's dinner. And Cassia's like, where's the veggies? I need some veggies. <laughs> it's like, the sauerkraut's veggies. <laughs> but, yeah, they get on to me if I'm not keeping up with the principles that they've been raised with. It's quite I funny. I love it. Hard masters, my gosh. I'm like, go and cook some. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, they are good. <laughs> Well, so it's been awesome chatting to you. Yeah, I you often can. laugh when I get to interview my friends that this is a really beautiful way to catch up, isn't it? I know. <laughs> we have to book in with each other. I know. We need to book in with each other. Just pretend we've got a podcast on yeah. in case it's useful and then yeah. have a catch up. That's um, right. But super lovely to hear from you and everything that you've um, been through as a family to help others inspire themselves towards um, healing if they're going through difficult times. I think it, you you can't share honestly from deep dark places if you've been mm. there enough because yeah. enough humans go through these deep dark yeah. moments. And the more we um, you know lift the lid and share them upfront and personal, um, the more people realise there's lots you can do. Yeah, and, and that's that's what gave us the hope to. Um, that we could heal with Isaac was hearing other people's stories. So I think it's so important to share the good and the bad. Hundred <laughs> percent. Mm. So I wish you a beautiful Christmas with you and your lovely family. Thank you. I will see you on the Facebooks and Instagram yes. world uh, until we next see each other. Yes, and I hope you have a lovely Christmas too. I'll be thinking of that chocolate pavlova. <laughs> I'm already thinking of it. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at LotoxLife or one word, or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at LotoxLife. Uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low-tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US about 27 euro and about 25 pounds, you get a stack of club member perks 
and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.